Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. Because it all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, welcome in this Friday night to the Sox on Tap post game show. It's Johnny Nani here alongside NWI Steve, and we got a little bit of drama to discuss right off the bat. Steve, first of all, uh, how you doing, man? I wish it was on a little better terms here, but uh, man, some fireworks despite uh, not really lighting it up in the scoreboard. Hey, yo, Johnny, that that game was something. You know, this was billed as a, a premium pitching matchup here. Uh, especially throughout the entire course of this series, but tonight, especially with Giolito and Peralta and for six innings, it lived up to it. And then uh, I don't know what the hell happened after that. I just yeah. blacked out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean that, that whole seventh inning was rough and that obviously is where things started to deteriorate for the White Sox in this one. But like I said, not without some drama, we got Tony LaRusso recording his first ejection in a White Sox uniform, excuse me, since being back in a White Sox uniform. And then we got Tim Anderson uh, getting heave ho uh, an inning later uh, for, you know, uh, the, Arguing some balls and strikes, but I will get into all of that. Uh, listeners, though, make sure you're visiting on tapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can follow us on social media at Socks on Tap and at On Tap Sportsnet. This show is brought to you by Grandstand. Make sure you are visiting them right at 35th and Wallace, right by the ballpark for all your Chicago White Sox and Chicago sports merchandising needs. You can also visit them online, grandstandsocks.com, social media at grandstandsocks. So, Steve, we'd be remiss if we didn't start this thing off with talking about the fireworks, man. Uh, obviously, a rough seventh inning. Uh, tensions boiling over, um, partially you know, due to White Sox not being able to find the strike zone, Aaron Bummer uh, in particular, uh, when, when he comes into that spot there. But getting squeezed a little bit, too, and obviously, Mr. One Tony LaRusa did not like that. And, uh, Got vocal, got, got out there, uh, and brought all the ups. Basically, uh, met, made him meet him at the mound. Uh, what's your reaction to the whole situation there? Well, I mean, my reaction is this: Look, um, the Sox definitely were getting squeezed in that inning. Um, Bummer, again, kind of another classic example of what we've seen from him far too often this year. Just simply no command of really anything going out there, and then it kind of carried over with Ryan Burr, and obviously, you know, Tony had had enough simply and. The fact of the matter is he's, he was right to be pissed off about this because there were some pretty big misses um, in, in that seventh inning there in particular that uh, really came back to bite the Sox in the ass. And, you know, as far as, you know, Tony having to bring all the umpires together, I always say, look, if you're going to get wrong, go out there and get your fucking money's worth. Don't just, you know, go out, go out there and, you know, get the heave ho and go back into the tunnel. Pull the old Earl Weaver that you see. You just pull up the YouTube clips. Go out there and get your money's worth. Call him a motherfucker. Call him a cocksucker. Do what you got to do. Get your money's worth and then, you know, say your piece and then just bury him then in the postgame too. 
Yeah, that's a that's a great way to describe it. I love. We had plenty of uh, uh, ONTAP Sportsnet White Sox contributors up at the game tonight. Uh, Patrick Comiskey is the one that pointed that out too. Uh, you know, Tony really kind of gathering the congregation there, uh, so he could let them all hear it. Um, I, I, you know, it, it sucks. You never want to, uh, you know, lose a game. You don't want to be in that scenario. But it, it's something that we haven't seen so far this year, uh, Steve. And I think it's something that people have been kind of, I don't know. Not clamoring for, because obviously you don't want to be in a position where you're getting squeezed like that. But at the same time, it shows the fire. It shows he has your, you know, he, the manager has his team's back. And obviously there's been questions about that, um, obviously with the Mercedes incident and the media reaction after that back in mid-May. So uh, th- this was just something interesting, intriguing, a storyline that we needed to lead off with here. Um, well, let's talk the game itself, uh, Steve, really quick. And then it will devolve back into a, a little bit of discussion about that because Tim Anderson, we haven't even gotten to him yet fully in depth but let's start uh, with the uh the way this game was going in the early uh stages and that was lucas giolito starting kind of a peculiar outing not the prettiest of outings for him but also only one earned run uh, a little weird line there with only three strikeouts uh you know these you know five walks in their six hits but only one earned run gave his team a chance at least maybe not to win because the bats were putting it together early but he still kept the minute yeah, and that's something that Stone talked about. Um, I think maybe in the, about the second inning, second or third inning of this game here was the fact that Gio simply he wasn't sharp tonight. He wasn't terrible, but he did not have his good crisp breaking ball out there. Uh, was missing his spots with with some of the changeups. You know, there were a couple of hangers in there that he got away with. One in particular to Avi Garcia. Um, so he really kind of had to battle his way through this. And he talks about this all the time that as you go out there as a starting pitcher, you know, in a tenth start stretch you'll have your top of the line stuff maybe maybe four times three four times then you'll have average stuff you know three four times and then the remainder of that you're going to go out there and you're going to have nothing and you just got to battle your way through it this was kind of one of those mediocre or or one of those in-between starts where it wasn't great and it wasn't terrible and he found a way to keep this team in the game through six innings he was able to cover 18 outs give him a chance to win and then the wheels just kind of fall off after that so you got to kind of tip your hat to him a little bit going out there and at least putting them in a position to potentially be able to win a baseball game hey sometimes it's a grind and sometimes you just got to grind through it and i think that's a good uh, consummation of what lucas giolito did tonight during his effort and obviously the bullpen uh you know uh, we we've talked about these issues uh ad nauseum so far this year and it, it, we, we will get into that in a second but i want to talk about some missed opportunities steve uh you get runners to third in what the top of the second uh top of the six uh and in the top of the seventh as well and you're not able to get any of those across uh that's not very opportunistic and one uh, particular White Sox podcast, perhaps the one we're on, might call it lame and weak. Yeah, there, there's no question about that, not taking advantage of opportunities. Um, obviously, that, that second inning there, you know, you have to thank the lovely, lovely strategy of National League Baseball there by putting Lucas Giolito in a position to hit with the bases loaded in two outs because, my God, was that just captivating baseball. Let me tell you, I was really on the edge of my seat right there. Um you know, and then late, later on in the game, sixth inning in, in particular there, you know, our guy Tony was was living the high life there for, for a minute when uh, his boy Gavin Sheets comes off the bench, gets that big base hit. All of a sudden, you know, you got a first and third situation there with, uh, with Zach Collins at third. And, you know, you got Timmy coming up there. So you're feeling pretty good. You're like, okay, we're going to at least 
tie this game. And Timmy's been on a bit of a hot streak here. So you're thinking, hey, maybe he shoots a gap. Maybe that gives the Sox a two to one lead or at least, you know, just tie it up and then get a chance to keep the train rolling there a little bit. And and Timmy hits that ball to, to third base. Collins, you know, gets gets hung up there when in reality, it was really a bad defensive play, if you think about it, because mm-hmm. that was a tailor-made double play ball. And they yes. talked about that on, on the broadcast right there. So the Sox caught a break still, and then they still were unable to capitalize on that going forward there. So that was really, I think, the the big blow for this mm-hmm. team here, not being able to capitalize in that spot. Yeah, so I, I definitely will say that, that that was kind of a suck the life out of you a little bit, at least on the offensive side. Um, and then in the bottom of the seventh uh, is where things would completely unravel. And I think, you know, it kind of speak to a greater team theme of, you know, sucking the life out of them uh, because that, you know, you go to Aaron Bummer uh, in the seventh inning and man, I, I really want this guy to succeed. We've seen it in the past. He has been, you know, just deadly at times, but that has not been the case overall this year, man. Um, when he comes in uh, in the seventh inning, just a whole litany of it, you know, long leads off at the single. And then he's walking two guys uh, on four straight pitches each right after that. That's not setting yourself up for success there, Steve. And then obviously Avi Garcia uh, with the RBI ground out to make it 2-0. Um, and then Ryan Burr would come in and a grand slam uh, would occur later in the inning. Uh, we don't need to get into the full play-by-play of what happened there. Either way, the Brewers exited that inning with the 7-0 lead. Um, and uh, man, We've talked about this ad nauseum, but it's time for Rick Hahn to get on the damn phone. Uh, we, we need bullpen help. It's you can only trust Kopech and Hendricks at this point. You got a week to go here to the to the deadline uh, next Friday, three o'clock Central Time. That's that's when uh, the moment of truth comes into play. Sooner rather than later here, because with each passing day, the prices are going to be having a premium added on to them. So, Rick, you're listening. I know you are. You, you listen to us very closely as you should. You need to make this deal. You need. You got to find some way to make something happen here. This team needs bullpen reinforcements, and they need them yesterday. Yeah, I 100% agree that that is no doubt uh, the the top priority, at least two, honestly, at this point. You could be talking about potentially three if you're really getting into the nitty-gritty of it there. Uh, but obviously depends on what other teams do, who's snatched up, uh, and if they identify any other needs, if they do go after a second baseman at all. But obviously, bullpens need to be the top priority there uh, for them, uh, bullpen arms being that. So um, let's go top of the eighth, and this was where Tim Anderson got heated. Steve, um, he did not like the calls uh, that were coming in, especially against Yohan Mankata, because that it was during his at bat uh, that the Tuppers really flared, and you could tell he was, you know, getting jumped over the, the railing of the dugout and was giving it to uh, the home plate umpire there. Um, you, you had to have Miguel Cairo there. You had to have other members of the coaching staff, players uh, hold them back. Uh, man, th- this I think Benetti brought it up. We haven't seen him that fired up really, like in anger fashion. Obviously, he's been fired up for you know exciting moments for you know wins and stuff like that walk-offs and stuff like that but not in an anger sort of directed thing uh since the brad keller incident something definitely was said there that uh really chapped timmy's ass because you could just see it in his eyes he he wanted to go out there and he wanted to go after somebody so it's it'll be really interesting to see if some detail kind of comes out and, and gets leaked a little bit about something that was said to him there. But you're right, Johnny. He was he was fucking hot at that. And it is very rare to see that out of Timmy these days. You know, he's obviously a, a more laid back, easygoing kind of guy. Likes to have a lot of fun out there, keep the team loose. Um, but something really got under his ass here today. And it, it just it it was 
simply boiling over, I would say, probably from some of the earlier at-bats um, throughout the course of the game there. And then the frustration, obviously, of that bottom of half of the seventh inning um, getting squeezed a little bit and the team kind of feeling as though those missed calls helped lead to that inning kind of blowing up the way that it did. And, you know, when you see Miguel Cairo and Shelly Duncan, too, I don't know if you really paid attention to that. He was absolutely mf and everybody in sight on that right there. So um, there was a lot of heat in that dugout right there. So let's just hope that they're able to kind of channel all of that, kind of flush it down here tonight, um, maybe go out on Water Street, have a couple of beers, and uh, just for, forget about it and come out ready to play tomorrow. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, th- that is a – it was a hot one, uh, that's for sure, even though, you know, it, it technically non-competitive when you go and look at the final score uh, of this game, a 7-1 to final here, but um, obviously much more in between the lines, uh, and I guess technically a little bit outside of them <laughs> that happened tonight, uh, that adds just even more intrigue to the rest of this series here. And obviously – going to be on a national stage Sunday night, but uh, I think the primetime matchup is Saturday night, Steve, this next game that we're about to preview here because we have a premier pitching matchup. Corbin Burns for the Milwaukee Brewers, Carlos Rodon going for our White Sox. What are we expecting from this? I'm expecting just a lot of vicious, exploding, nasty stuff coming out of that out of that mound tomorrow. You know, you got Corbin Burns who just earlier on in this season had a stretch where I think he he had like 54 strikeouts without issuing a walk. You know, he had set a, a modern day major league record at that point. He's kind of uh, tapered off a little bit here to this point, but the stuff is electric. It's crisp. I mean, this guy is, you know, showing why a lot of people here in, in the Sox fan base wanted the Sox to actively go after him this winter when that was a very hot rumor. And remember, there were a lot of people that said you can't give up Nick Madrigal for this guy. Um, may he rest in peace, by the way. Um, but <laughs> or, or his hamstring anyway. Yeah. But, uh, you know, th- this is going to be a real tough test for, the, for this offense here. So, you know, Peralta really was very aggressive utilizing his slider to put guys away today. Uh, Burns is going to be kind of the same way and he's going to go at them. He's got, he's got a very nasty, vicious, hard biting slider. So they got to have that scouting report ready and they got to be ready to attack that uh, early on in the counts. And then Carlos Rodon, just go out there and keep doing what he's been doing. Establish early fastball command, get ahead of guys, um, pound that fastball up in the strike zone, set it up to change the eye levels down with those sliders down in the zone to put guys away here both sides of the plate, utilizing it the way he has been. This is going to be a hell of a matchup tomorrow. Yeah, I cannot wait, especially with how Carlos Rodon has been throwing as of late. I mean, you talk about limiting offenses and good offenses. Hey, what he did against the Houston Astros last Sunday was no joke, and that is, you know, uh, kind of the sort of uh, embodiment of why he is a Cy Young candidate uh, at this point in the American League. So um, I'm really hoping that, like you said, he can continue to do what he's been doing uh, as of late. That, that is the key for Carlos Rodon. Um, and, and, you know, we talk about it and yes, the White Sox offense is going to have a challenge, um, you know, uh, with, with Corbin Burns on the mound uh, for the Brewers. But I would imagine Brewers are probably also sitting there thinking we're going to have a big challenge uh, facing Carlos Rodon, who's been, you know, just an incredible story this year. You're 100 percent right. And, and this is kind of a playoff type atmosphere here, you know, knowing that you're going to go in there and what should be a relatively low scoring game again, and it's going to come down to pitch execution and it's going to come down to who can find a way to get a pivotal hit in a crucial spot to put your team in out in front. And one, two runs may win this game tomorrow. 
Um, so kind of, you have to have almost that same mentality that you had through six innings here today. It was all right. We got to find a way to get one key pivotal hit and, and hold the Brewers to this one run here, because that might be all we're all, you know, they're going to get tonight. So, you know, you just got to come out there tomorrow. You got to try to put together good, solid quality at bats, get pitches to hit here. And, uh, hopefully, you know, the Sox can, can find a way to, drive something out of the ballpark there because I don't think you're going to be able to string together a lot of hits against Corbin Burns tomorrow. But again, like you said, Brewers are going to have that same problem. What's it been this year? Eight, eight starts this year where Rodon has allowed two or fewer hits. So, you know, offense is not going to be at a premium tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. And, and this kind of bleeds into uh, talking about offense this year, our picks to click. Uh, and I'm going to go with the guy who has left the yard uh, against Gordon Burns, and that is Jose Abreu. Uh, he's going to be my pick to click. MVP, obviously, a decent amount of drama uh, on the field tonight. Uh, you need your de facto captain uh, to step in and uh, get the job done. So uh, I'm going to go with Jose Abreu leaving the yard tomorrow. I like you? that. I like that. I think Timmy's going to come in, come in hot tomorrow wanting to make a statement after getting tossed here tonight i think timmy's going to leave the building tomorrow all right i love it and you know they talk about leaders on the white Sox team uh those are guys that can really help get the job done uh and set, you know obviously the tone uh on the field on the scoreboard that, that's obviously you know first and foremost there but the emotion driving it behind the team um and i think everybody else will get juiced uh if those guys are at the top of their game uh and our picks click hit uh tomorrow night so uh, that, that does it for saturday's game um preview there so uh a lot of white Sox fans be out there so uh, if you see uh plenty of guys out there buzz tony uh Duke, uh, we, we've got Matt Berklin up there. Bunch of socks on tap contributors uh, up at the ballpark in Milwaukee. If you're up there, uh, make sure you go and uh, seek them out. Uh, I'm sure there will be a contingency of White Sox fans meeting up before, during, after, all that good stuff. So, um, you know, uh, Southside takeover uh, up in MKE. So uh, let's all right we, we, now. Now that we're we're, we're kind of done with our uh, standard preview and stuff here, let's talk about some news that dropped today uh, regarding a certain uh, rival team within our division, Steve. <laughs> Uh, the, the Cleveland franchise um, now has a new name and it will be going from the Indians <laughs> to the guardians. Obviously we knew this was coming. Uh, we didn't know when they would announce it. There's kind of mom on that situation. I didn't hear anything like rumblings early on that. Oh, this might be it. Or, you know, they had potential names maybe lined up, but it wasn't like we're going to make the announcement this day. It just kind of showed up in the feed this morning. Um, your reaction to that. Cause I, you know, you, you are a guy, you, you are our AL central hate guy. And that's, you know, we love it. Let's go. Let's hear it all. All right. So everybody fasten your seatbelts. Shit's about to get wild here. Most people that know me know that there are two things in this world that I hate with every fiber of my being. One being the Minnesota twins, the other being the Cleveland Indians. And to know that they are changing their name to the Guardians, I think, is so comically bad in, in just so many ways. It's almost like they're trying to be a generic MLS soccer team with this name. It's like you had a, a group of people sit in a boardroom and say, OK, what's the most vanilla name? that we can pick for the next five years while we're still in Cleveland until our lease is up and we move to Nashville and then just totally rebrand. Oh, Guardians, perfect, let's go with that. And so so Guardians, let me ask this question here, Johnny. What exactly are they guarding? The payroll. <laughs> okay, that's one, that's one other point. I think the other thing that they might be guarding 
is the longest championship drought in North American professional sports. And Ooh. you just fucking hate to see that. You really, truly do. Because I know one thing's for damn sure. They sure as fuck can't guard a three-to-one series lead in the playoffs in October when it fucking matters. So, you know, just knowing that that they're going to this lame-ass, weak-ass name, it really, it makes me laugh. My final parting shot is this. I was really excited to go to that mistake by the Lake City in September when the Sox were there for that pivotal five-game series. Now I'm even more amped up because now I get to realize the last time I will ever see the Cleveland Indians on a baseball field is watching the White Sox piss all over their fucking home stadium in Cleveland celebrating a division title. And I can't wait. Yes, Steve, I love it. You, you've talked about that trip that you're making out there and absolutely uh, necessary. And now just adding more fuel to the fire, uh, like you just mentioned there in their last time, is the Cleveland Indians uh, that, that we will be, you know, obviously seeing them uh, in person for obviously, you know, you going out there and all that. So uh, I, I can't wait. I'm so excited for uh, just that experience. Um and then also, you know, just the name change in general. I mean, you know, you go and look at it and it's like, okay, I think they did some okay things with the the look of the, you know, sort of like different logos and the script fonts that they have there. Like, that's okay and whatever. But uh, name that, you know, jump off the page at you. It's still, it screams Cleveland to me. It screams underwhelming. Uh, it screams, uh, you know longest drought in North American sports history to me still. Uh, and like you mentioned, the, the final, uh, another one too that you mentioned, uh, and you and I were talking about this when we were at the doubleheader uh, on Monday afternoon, we were talking about Cleveland and I am totally on board with, with the, the sentiment that they're going to move to Nashville. So this is going to be a short lived thing anyway. Yeah. So, Hey, listen, Cleveland baseball fans enjoy, get your little guardians t-shirt. Wear them for the next five years because you ain't going to have a baseball team when this lease is up. It's over. Forget about it. And the best part about it is most of you people will never, ever get to see your team win a World Series. And then if there's any justice in this world, maybe <clears throat> maybe once they move and maybe there's a little bit of expansion, maybe they're not even in the Sox division anymore. They'll pull what the Browns did when they when they left to Baltimore. They'll go to Nashville, and within a couple of years, they'll win a championship then just to stick it to Cleveland one final time. Yeah, that you know, it would only be poetic. Uh, and like you said, if there's any sort of justice in the world, uh, because they, they deserve nothing, uh, they they kind of have nothing. And uh, you said White Sox are going to piss on their graves uh, when you're out there in September. So can't wait for that. Uh, All the bad. All the bad things in the world of baseball deserve to happen to the Cleveland Indians, yep. Cleveland right. Guardians, whatever the hell you want to call them. Yeah, Be beautifully said, Steve. I love that. That's a great way to wrap up the show, especially since uh, tonight's game for the White Sox, obviously not going in our favor. Uh, but we talked about a uh, exciting matchup coming up tomorrow night. Uh, that's a 6, 10 p.m. Central time start from Milwaukee. So uh, make sure tuning in, tuning in, uh, you know, it's probably going to move pretty quick. I would imagine uh, with not a whole lot of offense there, uh, starters probably rolling through, um, you know, you're probably going to see some uh, probably at least two, maybe three girls are down at bats. Who knows? Um, and then we got the big bastard on Sunday night. We will not be back here for a Sox on tap post game on Saturday night. Um, we, we've got, you know, much people up at the game. Uh, we've got other things going on here, but we will hopefully be back for a Sunday fun day, uh, whether that be actually late Sunday night after the Sunday night baseball game or 
uh, Monday uh, in the AM. Tony and I may uh, do one there if it doesn't get done uh, on Sunday night. But we shall see. Uh, just stay tuned to the Socks on Tap Twitter page, and we will post updates uh, on our programming schedule there. So, um, Steve, uh, last thing that I want you to take on is uh, how excited are you see the Lance see Lance Lynn hit uh, on Sunday night, man. <laughs> Listen, that big old bastard. I tell you what, if he goes out there and pulls a Bartolo Cologne, I don't I don't know if anybody in this group is going to be able to survive that. We might all just die from excitement and and just going crazy, yeah. smashing beer bottles, everything. So I, I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, I, I think you know when we talk about our our, our panelists here, our crew, um, you, me, and Buzz, I believe, are all you know very much in favor of universal DH. Uh, Tony is the yeah, we'll give him. He is a little more old school. We've had this discussion before, and we've talked about weird baseball that game back in 2019 at Philadelphia. Weird shit happened and all that. And sure, that, that happens every once in a while, and you get a weird kind of game like that that's just so out of the ordinary that it's kind of unique uh, and fun to talk about at that point. But I agree. Um, I would rather see the universal DH, but hey, this is still in play here. Uh, we got Lance Lynn now, the big fella, uh, up to bat with the stick. Obviously, he had experience in the NL uh, being with the Cardinals for uh, a long period of time to start his career. So uh, I'm just interested to see. Uh, we, we saw the video from James Fegan on Twitter. Uh, it, he was taking some cuts during the last homestand, uh, you know, getting ready uh, for this weekend. So um, just a little fun stuff to go and look out for on Sunday Night Baseball uh, because that game did get flexed. I know it kind of screwed some people on ticket uh, arrangements for, you know, having to get back uh, on Sunday night for work on Monday morning and all that. But um, either way, White Sox are in the national stage uh, against another division leader on Sunday night. So it uh, should be fun. Hopefully we bring our A game and we're talking about a series win uh, after that one. Hopefully we can take these next two here uh, with low shoving tomorrow uh, and then the big bastard uh, on Sunday night. So, Steve, final thoughts and then we'll get the hell out of here. Flush it, <clears throat> move on, get to Corbin Burns early, get a dub, get back on track. Yep, the long ball. Ball go far, team go far. Doesn't take rocket plans. Doesn't figure it out. Uh, Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, those are our picks to click. We, we need some home runs tomorrow. Let's see it from those guys. Timmy Energy, uh, Jose Abreu leadership. Let's go. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Everyone who dropped in the comments in the live stream here, we appreciate you. Please continue to do so in the future. And make sure you're visiting ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Follow us on social media at SoxOnTap and at ontapsportsnet. And as always, Grandstand is the place to go for all White Sox and Chicago sports merchandise. You can visit them right by the ballpark at 35th and Wallace. You can also shop online, grandstandsocks.com, and follow their social media at Grandstand Socks. A lot of cool new hats dropping uh, that they are promoing on their Instagram and Twitter pages. So make sure you go and check them out. That's at Grandstand Socks social media. So, Steve, all right, uh, let's get out of here. Enjoy the rest of our Friday night. Check this one off. Like you said, uh, go back, get a win tomorrow, and then close the series Sunday night. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.